This episode is sponsored by Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. Basically, it's free. Secondly, there's creation tools that allow you to record and also edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And after which, Anchor will automatically distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. You can also make money from your podcast with literally no minimum listenership. So it's everything you basically need in a podcast in one place. So go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started today. Welcome to the Naked Dialogue Podcast. This is episode 9. I'm your host, Sanjana Singh. And uh, this is an episode with Floor Universe, who has his own meme page on Instagram and Twitter. He has his own podcast on Apple Podcasts called Floor Universe. He's an amazing guy who is also an owner of a flotation tank uh, business. And so, you know, I hope you enjoy this conversation I had with him. Yeah, I think it's recording now. Yep. So, how are you doing? How's everything going? Fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing fine. Uh, I really like your memes. Like, I have to tell you straight up. I have been, like, I only follow a few meme pages, but... I really keep up with your content because it's really genuinely funny and I genuinely laugh my ass off sometimes because they're just so perfect and like you cover like a variety of topics, you know, it's not only psychedelics or consciousness, you also talk about conspiracy theories and then your podcast, uh, I love listening to it. I think I started listening to it uh, last year because I think it came out somewhere like two years ago or something. And I remember listening to the 5D, uh, the conversation you had with the 5D guy. And I was very, like, I remember going halfway through it. And I was like, this is something I can get into because like, that's probably like the first time I started listening to podcasts on Apple Podcasts. So that was something I really liked. And I was, I've been listening to more of the newer episodes and I have to say, I'm really impressed and I love your content. Well, that is, I'm flattered. Uh, thank you so much. I I sometimes doubt what I'm doing and I don't do it for any financial gain. I do it for my own amusement and it's almost, everything is an experiment and I'm trying to kind of push into the wall of consciousness and see if it pushes back, see if I can make a dent in the universe as Steve Jobs would say. So that's a massive compliment that you like all that stuff because it's me testing out these out all these theories that I've kind of discovered, you know, how the the rules and, and the laws of nature kind of work and how you can do certain things with reality and it'll it'll reflect back to a certain way. So thank you so much. It's just me being honest with the experience I'm having, knowing that that honesty resonates a lot of times with people and it obviously it's resonated with you somehow. So it's just me, me being being honest with my experiences with spirituality and psychedelics and float tanks and memes. And, you know, the whole point of memes is to, at least for me, it's, it, the idea of memes comes from Terrence McKenna. And uh, it's about spreading an idea. And so in the, the 21st century idea of that is our phones. 
we are all glued to our phones. Most of us in the modern world are looking at our phones more than our TVs, more than our computers. And uh, so when you're scrolling, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I can have your attention maybe for a split second with a meme. Now, if it's a really good meme, I can maybe stop you and get you to think about something. I can introduce a new concept, perhaps, uh, if it's good enough, if it's got the right colors, if it just if it's honest, if it resonates with you. So what I'm trying to do, what I've been trying to do, the basic concept, the basic idea overall of all the little experiments is this idea of microdosing reality with these new concepts as I take them and, and experience them, try to put them into memes. And then through that honest exchange, I'm trying to get some of these ideas to the point. I don't know if you're familiar with the hundredth monkey rule, but basically the idea behind that is um, when you teach somebody or, or when they teach monkeys a new behavior, you, when you reach a critical mass, in, in, in this case, a hundred monkeys, they, they take that behavior. And then I guess the group consciousness of the monkey like they could have monkeys on another island that would start to exhibit that trait. So what I'm trying to do through memes and through influencing people who have way more influence than I do, people who have millions of followers, is to introduce them to these concepts and just, you know, spread memes, spread these ideas. It's a battle of ideas is another thing Terrence McKenna talks about. So I've taken all these ideas. I've run these experiments with my consciousness with um, you know, what is the nature of reality? How far can I go? What happens when I do this or that? And what you get is the byproduct with the memes in the podcast now. So thank you so much for the great compliment. Of course, like I feel like your content also stands out just because you're so, you know, creative and unique with like the style that you present your memes with. And also like with the podcast, like you talk about like stuff like people really would want to be interested in because you would, you know, like introduce concepts and, you know, talk about real, like real stuff. Like I've, uh, I've heard you talk about the QAnon situation. Like I haven't heard a lot about QAnon at all. I feel like only probably from Joe Rogan or like some mainstream media outlet, but you really talk about it. And, and I was like fascinated to, you know, just be listening to it. So you like floating a lot, right? Because Florida Universe has to come from some, and, and I've like seen some of your live streams where you talk about a lot of stuff, including floating sometimes. So I was just wondering like how you, how are you so interested in like floating tanks are a new concept for me, honestly. So I was like wondering how all of it works and how you're immersed into it. Right. So the, the, the concept of floating is basically what I've been trying to do with this 100 monkey a concept of getting people to like you, you, you know, it's a new concept to you. And now with this podcast and all these other podcasts I do, we spread that idea. So what floating is, I'll just start back from the beginning. So floating was invented actually about, let's see, 50, mid fifties. So 50, 60, 70 years ago, it's a relatively new concept. Now what, what you're doing is you're laying in a tank or a room with about 12 inches of water that has a thousand pounds of Epsom salt. And what you do is you dissolve that Epsom salt into the water, and then you have the water at right about your skin's temperature, which is about 93.5 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is Celsius, but it's your skin's temperature, give or take a couple tenths of a degree. And so immersing yourself in the darkness, in the silence, 
very in the stillness with zero gravity, your body reaches, it, it tries to find its uh, homeostasis. And by relaxing your muscles, things that are out of alignment will naturally just pop back into place. So John Lilly, the guy that invented these things 60, 70 years ago, he was trying to get the brain um, and he was trying to separate the brain from external stimulation, you know, sight, sound, uh, you know, the five senses. He wanted to completely as much as possible try to isolate the brain. He was trying to understand where consciousness was coming from, if, it, if that's even possible. So he was doing this for years and his experiments would get more grandiose, acid, dolphins, um, ketamine. He almost died doing ketamine in the float tanks. Luckily, somebody came in and found him. Um, so there was this whole, you know, in the 60s, 70s, the hippies and the psychedelic movement, he was a big part of that. I, I would consider John Lilly part of the, maybe the, definitely in the pantheon of the greats of the psychedelic movement with like Tim Leary and Terrence McKenna, people like that. I'd put John Lilly right there with him. So he's responsible for starting all of this. And then you see it go in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, and it kind of, kind of disappears now you have the movies. You have the movie Altered States. Anybody wants to check that out? That's kind of how. That's kind of how my life is. I'm a guy that's just. I have access to a float tank, and so I've been running experiments as much as I can since I've had access to them. And so, Lily uh, is still doing his experiments this, this whole time. It's it, it goes underground basically. The the floating. It's not in the mainstream until you get to the mid 2000s early mid 2000s in the 2010s Joe Rogan is the one that really brings it in to mainstream awareness he has a float tank in his house a custom made one by the i think it's by the guy crash at uh, float lab in LA so these float centers start to pop up and i start floating around 2014 i had my first float here at the place i'm now owning and living at because as you know following the count i kind of live at the float center that's why i'm always doing live streams and all that stuff. So I discovered floating because I was trying to find a way myself to kind of quiet my mind. My, my life was a hot mess. And I, I was really looking for a way to quiet my mind and try to meditate. I'd never meditated before. I wanted to see if there was a way I could do that. And, you know, I was looking into Zen meditation and try to, you know, that was what I was kind of gravitated towards. And I ended up finding this place called Total Zen Float which is where I'm at now. And so I started floating and all these fantastic things. Well, you know, I know your podcast is kind of about consciousness too. I'll have to go back a bit. So I started getting into consciousness right before I just thought about float tanks because I was messing around with YouTube videos. There's YouTube videos of like, you know, self-guided meditations and hypnosis. And before I got into floating and meditation, I thought that, you know, there's nothing to this stuff. And, you know, there's, you know, what, what is consciousness? Who knows? And I didn't really think much of it as not kind of an atheist, kind of a hedonist. Uh, you just live in a good, happy life, not concerned too much about anything about God or consciousness. But then I got into these YouTube videos and I, I was having like out of body experiences, not like dramatic ones, but enough to be like, whoa, like there's something beyond the material world. And I need to explore it more now. And so I started to, yeah, I wanted to meditate. I wanted to, I was, I was trying to put the energy out there of, of getting psychedelics. And so I, I stumbled upon the float tank. It was, you know, this, this place was 10 minutes from the, from where I was living before. So it was very close. I started floating. 
I befriended the guys there. The psychedelics started to come into my life. I started to float and do psychedelics. And long story short, we ended up buying the place not too long ago, me and a business partner. And it's, which she was the one that got me into floating. Because uh, what happened was, is I was looking to float and I Googled looking for, uh, like I said, Zen meditation. I found this place. And the first review I found, uh, the first article I found was by my friend. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I thought, okay, this is going to be a good experience because my friends already kind of said it is good. So we're in it now working this together and I'm here most of the time running the show and she's more of a, she, she works too, but she's more of a, a financial person and I'm more of a sweat equity. And, you know, I do the memes and, a, and the videos and the, I entertain people and I put on a really good float experience because that's what's floating. Floating is more about the experience than getting in the water and, uh, you know, laying there because it's beginning to end. You got to have good service and you got to have the water right and everything else. So I got into floating and it did so many things. It really helped me fix my body, the physical part. That's the immediate thing that people are going to take away when they float is the physical relief that comes from laying there. And basically like space, it feels like zero gravity, the void. You're just laying there and you're very relaxed like I said, your body starts to reveal things. You have your, your body has intuition and a lot of people are very unconscious just in general. And I, I used to think about it like every time I would get in the tank, I would be getting um, more experience points uh, laying in that tank and my consciousness would expand a little bit more. Now, I think you, you get experience and wisdom by taking psychedelics. It comes at a cost, of course, but your consciousness does expand. And I think the same thing happens when you float. It just doesn't happen as rapidly. Now, if you have a meditation experience already, floating is going to take you to the next level. It's like a bazooka. It's like a meditation on steroids. And it's been around now, like I said, 60, 70 years, and it's really taken off in the past 20. So that's, in a nutshell, my journey with floating. And and, and, and it, it led to DMT. And, and I said, you know what? I've got to start talking about these things. And I started making memes about it. And memes is very much a psychedelic thing. If you get into Terrence McKenna, who is... You know, probably, like I said, one of the most interesting people, even if you're not not a psychedelic person to listen to, um, period. So you spend lots of hours initially when you get into psychedelics, taking mushrooms and listen to Terrence McKenna talks, a lot of people. So and then, you know, depending on your religion and your where where you are geographically, you, you go down a spiritual path a lot of times with psychedelics. So that's been my journey. It's been a and, and that's what you get on the meme page, which are psychedelic, spiritual, and now, yeah, po- political and, and psychedelic conspiracy memes, because we've, we've, got, we've had this whole year of the Great Awakening and the coronavirus and the lockdowns. Now, where are you at? Are you in India? Where are you at? Uh, I'm currently in Tel Aviv in Israel. Tel Aviv. Okay, okay. Yes. How has that been? That's been uh, pretty okay. On like this semester has just been like because of all the lockdowns and stuff. Even though like there's lockdowns, honestly, people are still out, and like I don't see much, like you know, any change as such. But still, many things have slowed down. Life is kind of dull, but it's okay. Like um, it's all right. <laughs> but it's way interesting to hear about uh, flotation tanks. Like, what is the salt exactly used for? The salt? Yeah, like the Epsom salt. Right. So a lot of people, you know, they'll lay in their bathtub and they'll get like, a, uh, you know, a pound of Epsom salt. 
you know, and, and lay in the tub and it won't do anything. It, it'll feel good on your skin, but we're talking a thousand pounds of Epsom salt. We're talking 50, I'm sorry, 20, 50 pound bag. So it's more buoyant than the Dead Sea. Have you ever floated in the Dead Sea? Yes. Yeah. It's more buoyant than that. So it's more floaty. You'll, you'll, you'll be almost laying on top of the water in the float tank. It's the Great Salt Lake's another very salty ocean or a body of water. And so that's it. the float tanks are usually if they're kept in the right uh, maintenance, they are more they are more salty than the Dead Sea or the Great Salt Lake. And you can get out, you can lay there in the float tank and the salt will just crystallize on your body. And you, you know, it just gets everywhere. It's hard to clean and float tanks are a pain in the ass to maintain. They, they can never be shut down because they always have to stay on because the water has to stay warm because if the water doesn't stay warm, the salt, salt will crystallize and they will seize your motor. They will burst your pipes. Um, so they can't be left more than a couple days without really serious trouble. So they're a lot of maintenance. And so not too many people do know about them. And that's why it's been my mission to, you know, pay, pay it back. You know, they've done so much for me, really. They've really completely changed my life. And now that I've been here, living here and owning it and working at it every day, I see it so many, in so many different ways. Like I have a guy that's in the military and he's done all kinds of therapy. He's done all kinds of, I guess, medicine. And he says floating is the only thing that works for his PTSD. So sometimes I'm having a, a bad day. Sometimes I'm not feeling inspired. And I, and I hear people like you, thank you for re-inspiring me, you know, with the, the, the kind words you said at the beginning of the podcast. And then I hear people like this guy that floats and I'm like, okay, you know, I don't make a lot of money sometimes. And because there's not, this is not, if you want to get rich money, uh, floating is not the, you know, the path you want to go down. Floating is about service to people. And like I said, it, floating has revealed so much to me, in, including the, the non-dual nature of reality, the universe, right? We're all one. Floating's helped me realize that and stay in that space and, and, and you know, open my heart up and, you know, the throat, the throat chakra, open that up because I used to be shy. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to do a podcast. I could barely get on Instagram live and I'd be nervous and a little shaky. Now, you know, you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and you get better at it and uh, people find it amusing. And so you, you get off on that too. So you want to keep going. But, uh, you know, my job is now to just serve what's in front of me as God. That's what God is, which is everything. And the universe makes no mistakes. It wastes no energy. And so anything that it's putting in front of you in terms of a situation, a person, a place, a thing, you know, if somebody comes into your awareness and you're having a good day, but then for whatever reason, they're triggered your energy into making you angry or upset, you need to look at that. Why did the universe, there's no random Everything is synchronized from a certain level of awareness. I mean, you can see that on acid, it's all one, right? And some people are so high spiritually, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Ram Das and Maharaji, but when Ram Das first met this guru, he gave him all his acid, thinking that, oh, this is going to mess this guy up. No, 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 it didn't do anything to him because he was already that high spiritually that acid did nothing to him. So, you know, that's just what I'm trying to do right now. It spread the message. It the floating works. It'll start to work at the physical level first. That's the immediate takeaway. The Epsom salt is going to loosen you up. It's going to soften you up. I have the softest skin. 
I literally, I, I have the glow. Um, I have found the fountain of youth. It's called a float tank. And then so there, once you start to melt away and figure out what's wrong with your body and fix things and relax more, then comes the metaphysical stuff, the spiritual stuff, the creative stuff, the mental stuff. Okay, I think probably the next level is the mental. So after you float and you relax and you start to get the physical benefits, then you can start to get in that space of stillness and quiet that you can't reach anywhere else. You know, because you're bombarded constantly with cell phone, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, uh, radio waves, uh, 5G, everything. Total bombardment. People, your phone, your Instagram, your Twitter, it's endless. The 24-hour news cycle. So the float tank, you get in there and you can just disconnect from everything. And so you can reach those spaces that yogis take years in caves meditating to achieve. You know, I had a guy floating one time who was an expert meditator, you know, a 10, 10 year expert does the long retreats. And uh, I said, Hey, what is floating like relative to that? And he said, you know, it's kind of like day two of a 10 day retreat. So, you know, it's very deep, very fast with no experience. And that was the case for me. I went, I floated the first time I had zero experience. I wanted to get in that space because the reason I was seeking floating out was I was trying to float and I would sit there and I would hear the, the refrigerator buzzing, the cars outside, little things like that, you know, and then how can I get rid of that? I want to go to a quiet room. So floating is that answer. So you get in there and you relax and you reach the physical level, the mental level, the mind is quiet. Then the voice of God starts to speak to you, which is your own little, which is you ultimately. And that's the takeaway from all these spiritual trips I've been on. And it's not coming from an egotistical place. You know, once you, you you can reach that realization in the mind, and then you can be egotistical about it. Oh, I'm God. But then if you're lucky, if you have the grace and you get the spiritual progress in this lifetime, you'll sink into the heart. And then that place of knowing everything is one is not an egotistical cocky thing. It's like, oh, we're all one. I, I need to help this person. Everybody's suffering and they don't even know why. And I can help them alleviate some of that suffering by just, you know, expressing this truth that I'm living in. And it really, it can only come from that place of lived experience. You know, psychopaths can, you know, these people that are gurus that abuse people, they have that realization of the mind and they have, you know, not only had certain realizations, but they've, you know, I think, um, studied certain spiritual texts so much that they've memorized them and they look like experts and people are unconscious. And so they follow that. And uh, so the heart is where it's all at ultimately. And that's the work I'm still working on. So you, re you realize the mind and that's very easy to do in the tank. And so, like I said, then there's like, you get to that metaphysical level and that spiritual level. So you're starting with just, hey, my neck hurts, my body hurts, I have stress. And then you start to relax and then you keep floating. And like I said, it's uh, mental stuff starts to clear up. PTSD, psychosomatic illnesses start to go away. Because a lot of the stuff, I, I, I'm convinced out floating for so long and doing introspection into the mind and body that it's downstream from the mind you know that uh, your body is a mentation so whatever beliefs you have about your body or whatever kind of static you have in your brain or energy that's just not in alignment with the truth that causes dis-ease in your body and that's disease so that dis-ease you're having all the time can be alleviated with the float tank and so a lot of the stuff that's going on with people psychosomatic stuff can be that stuff that's all mental 
created by your mind uh, that can be alleviated with the float tank. So a lot of things that people are suffering with can be attacked and therapeutically worked with in a float tank. Because again, I, I, I'm a true believer that the body is a mentation of the mind. If you get your mind right, everything flows down from the mind. So relaxing the mind. Uh, and then if you're lucky, you get into like these ultimate states of samadhi and, and uh, satori. And you, you step into the, you fall into the gap of sat chitananda. The, the substratum of reality is this truth, bliss consciousness. And then you start living from that space. And yeah, and then that's the heart and that's the, the bliss. And it keeps going and you, you want to keep tasting more. And so you keep floating or you advance to some other spiritual practice, you know, or I don't know, but everybody's different. But that's been my story. I want more of the truth and love and God. I'd much rather have that. It's much more, it's much more appealing than a lot of what the world has to offer anymore. And so that's why at a certain point, you know, you have to just serve that truth, which is help other people step into the same kind of awareness. So that's the goal. And that's what I've been doing. That's really good to know. Like, I, I think I first got around to know about flotation tanks through Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia. Uh, I think it was season one. And they had an episode with um, Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan's tank. And I also remember uh, looking at a meme from your page about the flotation salt going in your eyes, and <laughs> which was really good, uh, good one. Uh, I feel like uh, I've been studying like uh, there are non-pharmacological ways and then there are pharmacological ways to get to al altered states or you know higher states of consciousness. And uh, flotation tanks would obviously come under non-pharmacological. But after watching uh, Pharmacopoeia, I was, you know, like wondering whether, you know, like just taking, you know, some kind of psychedelic and immersing yourself into a flotation experience would definitely be something out of the world. Just how people, you know, describe like you describe like the floating uh, experience and how how calm it gets you and how it's literally a form of meditation but one of the best and if you if you were to take something like a healing medicine like a psychedelic and and if you were to combine these two states i like i, I don't know if you've done it already but if if that's one thing i would love to you know just like know about that experience because that's literally colliding to you know two different things and making something absolutely crazy. Well, I'm glad you asked because that's kind of been another part of my mission where, you know, when I first started floating, John Lilly's all about psychedelics. Let's just get down to it. That's the truth. But a lot of the people now in the modern float world, they have businesses and they don't particularly sometimes want to attract that kind of attention. So a lot of modern float people won't, won't touch that subject. Uh, the, a, because they don't do it themselves and they don't have experience to talk about it. And B, they don't want to attract that attention, energy into the float center. Whereas, you know, I am the opposite. And I think this is why it's been my mission to explore that side of it. I, I you know, I just think it's awesome to, I'm just going to be honest, as much as it's fun to help and explore, it's also fun. And it's fun to explore. It's fun as an artist to see things you've never seen before. And if you can find a tool to take those things and magnify it, you know, and that's what I discovered with the float tank, obviously, which is LSD, MDMA, 
mushrooms, anything basically. But I don't recommend ketamine because that's how he almost died. Anything that's going to put you in a state where like a, 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 um, a barbiturate or anything that's going to put you like, don't drink alcohol and float. Anything's going to, where you could turn over and not know that you've turned over. That's, you know, cause you're not going to turn over if you're sober. Um, but if you're on something that puts you out like ketamine and a disassociative, I can't even say it, a disassociative state so bad where you don't even know you're there and you flip over, that's bad. But these stimulating psychedelics like LSD and mushrooms and MDMA in particular. Now, I'll tell you a few things about MDMA in my experience. First experience is this. MDMA tears you up. It, uh, your brain, right? Especially if you abuse it. Now, I hadn't really abused it, but I'd taken too much and I could barely form a sentence and I was really, I, and, I, and I knew the, the healing power of the float tank. And so I just, I didn't work here at the time. I didn't own it at the time. And so I called my friend up who did own it. I said, hey man, but I could barely speak. I was, I, got, uh, uh, I, was, talk, talk, I was talking like that. I was barely able to get it out, but I, I got an appointment and I was floating. And all that damage I did to my brain the night before, an hour and a half later, I was talking like a normal person again. So I know about, you know, and I smoke weed all day too. This is just a normal thing for me. Your adrenal system gets fatigued when you're, you know, tapping the top of the backboard there and doing slam dunks on your adrenal gland all day with, you know, smoking weed or doing other kinds of even harder drugs. So when you're doing psychedelics, you're pushing your adrenal system to its limit a lot of times. Same thing with smoking weed all day. Um, you're just, you're touching that button and it's just costing you energy. So when you float, it restores your adrenal gland. It's one of these amazing things I've discovered that I can have that, uh, I'll smoke, I don't know if you smoke weed or not, but do you smoke weed? I do. Okay, so you know, like if you smoke too much during the day, you get very tired and lazy and you don't feel too good and you don't even feel stoned. You just kind of just feel like crap. So when you float, when you feel like that, you get out of the tank and you can, you, you, you can, you can smoke again if you wanted to but you feel put back together. You feel really, really, really good. So my favorite one to do in the float tank, I think is probably LSD. No, no, let me, let me finish with MDMA. So with MDMA, it'll put you back together. If you've had a, if you've had a long night of abuse to your brain, it really will. Another thing about MDMA and floating is I think it's the most intense one physically that I've done so far where MDMA, have you done that before? Uh, yes. So, you know, it's a very feely, your, your skin, your, you, you, you feel a certain way and it, and it feels good. And when you lay in the warm salt water and you're floating and you don't feel like you have a body and you're feeling it, well, actually you do feel like you have a body and it feels amazing. So there's that. My thing recently I did was I took a tab of LSD and I jumped in a float tank and basically it felt like I was a just eyeballs in the water. There was no body. My body had dissolved completely. And it felt like I was just an awareness in a vat of like goo. So you can have all kinds of experience. You can have experiences in the tank. I had a mushroom experience in the tank a long time ago where I was in a reality where everything was Simpsons. So you were a Simpsons character. I was Simpsons. Everything was Simpsons. It was weird. 
And then I said, I don't want to be in this reality anymore. And then a, an elephant with wings came and picked me up and we started flying through my friend's dreams. I don't know if they were their dreams or not, obviously, but um, it was a very interesting trip. So I'm a very big fan and proponent of people doing psychedelics in the float tank. The problem is acid's a hard one to line up correctly. You know, you've got to have someone drive you there. You're not going to drive when you're peaking on acid because if you're not peaking and you get to the float center, you're just wasting your time. So you've got to have someone to drive you there. You've got to slip past the uh, float center owner if they're not cool with it, if you haven't already worked this out in advance with me. And so let's say, yeah, you can get somebody to drive you there. You're already peaking. You get past the float center owner and you get in the tank. It's, it's very, then you're going to be there only in an hour and a half or two hours. I recommend you book a long session. But then after that, you've got to get out. You know, you've got to hope that you don't go, go crazy in the tank, um, that you don't have a bad trip. And so the only psychedelics I recommend for people to do uh, on a trip to the float center is edibles, you know, edible marijuana and um, microdosing mushrooms. I think a microdose, I used to microdose and go for an hour float when I was just a regular, when I was a non-owner. And uh, that was the best. Now I've tried other things when I was experimenting. Like, cause like I said, I've done a lot of experiments with my consciousness and different drugs and not, not just psychedelics, but like Adderall. I, I had a little experience with Adderall. I wanted to test that out. Now that is like concentrated concentration. Like that is the most concentrated feeling I have ever felt. I felt like the, I was a, uh, at the, I was a pin of a needle. It was the weirdest feeling. So yes, I've done uh, quite a, quite a different, quite a handful of psychedelics in the float tank. My primary usually, and that really doesn't do anything for me. So here's what I tell people. I say, look, if you're going to do weed, if you're going to smoke weed and go float, if, or if you're going to do anything and go float, try floating first sober. That way you understand at least a little bit what floating is. And then later after you float a few times and you already know what floating is, then you can try, you know, mushrooms or whatever, you know, whatever you can sneak past the float center owner. So that's why we have overnight floats here. Not that people come and do drugs because they don't do that, but if they wanted to, they could sneak it past me and they could be in that room for eight hours. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm cool with it. I, you know, hey, if you're going to, I've kind of taken on that role. So if you want to be a good float center owner, you have to care about people and you have to um, hold space. Do you, know what hold, do you know what holding space means? No. Like when you're holding space for somebody, then like they're, when they're having like they're crying or they're upset and you're able to just be there and kind of be quiet and listen to them and not judge them. That's kind of like holding space for somebody. So when somebody's tripping, a lot of times they'll have a bad experience and you don't want somebody that's going to be there and freak out with them. It's going to make them go worse. That's going to make it worse. So you want somebody that's able to hold space because a lot of times people will come out of the floats tank after having a very powerful experience, they'll realize something or they'll, they'll have something, they'll, they'll release something emotionally and they'll come out crying or they'll just need a moment. And you shouldn't be hitting those people with a sales pitch. A lot of float centers you'll go to and 
and I, and I'm not shitting on this. I'm just this is what they do. They're businesses, and although we're a business, I I really try to look at this more like a therapy center, and a, and for me, it's my little float, you know, experimentation place. But that people get to enjoy, they get to enjoy my joy basically here, because that's what it is for me. I I give, I do what I want, and I have a fun time doing it, and people get the byproduct of that. But if you go somewhere else, it may be different, right? They may that you may not meet the owner ever. I'm the owner. You're going to shake my hand. I'm going to, I'll be, I floated in that same tank. You're going to be floating in that day. I floated in that morning. I put the salt in. I know it is perfect. There's a, there's a handful of people in this country that probably care more about floating than I do. And if you come here and float, you're going to have a phenomenal float. Uh, you know, and now if you eat something wrong or you're having a bad day, I can't guarantee what's going to go on inside there, but I know that I'm going to do my part. So yeah. Um, I guess I kind of deviated there. What, what were we talking about? What was the question? Yeah, I think you answered the question pretty well. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, no, this is definitely something extremely interesting to me because as I said before, it's like taking two different methods and like heightening the whole you know level of consciousness. Uh, taking Adderall would have been like, seems like a very like, what, what was the experience like? Like you just... You were just floating with like this high amphetamine concentration in your head? Yeah, just just a very strong concentration feeling. Um, it's hard to explain. Like I said, I feel like the, uh, like a pin of a needle, the head of a pin of a needle. Now, here's the most important thing. I, and, I, and I'm glad I just remembered it. So the most important reason for psychedelics and floating is this. Okay, so psychedelics are fun. That's great. You're going to have fun the first couple of times you do psychedelics. Cool. But if you really want to do work with psychedelics, you really need to understand what the message is. You need to hear uh, the voice of the psychedelic. They talk, they're spirits, and they have something to say. And a lot of times people will have bad trips because they will have a trip, it'll be a bad trip, and they won't quite necessarily understand what they were supposed to learn, or they just disregard it, they don't care, or they're unconscious and that's just part of the process. And so they'll go back to the trip expecting something different but because they haven't done the work, they're going to have a bad trip. So uh, the, the point of floating in, in psychedelics is you're so still, you're so quiet, you can hear, you can see, it's much, it's much easier to have a visionary experience. I mean, Terrence McKenna used to talk about doing five dried grams of psilocybin mushrooms in silent darkness. There is no crazier, darker, cooler, awesome place to do mushrooms in silent darkness than in a float tank. So the importance of the floating and the psychedelics is you can hear, you can understand the message of whatever it is they're trying to convey to you. The aliens, the spirit guides, the demons, whatever you're manifesting as your lesson. It's so much easier when you are undistracted. And I'm, again, I'm not shitting on uh, people who want to watch a movie, because I do that all the time, you can get so much from that too. But if you really want to get some great interpersonal understanding and you can handle it, uh, and I've done basically these myself alone. I've never really had somebody above me. It was kind of like just stepping in the water of psychedelics slowly and trying these things out. And having strict protocols about certain rules I won't break when I do psychedelics. And for the most part, um, I've had a great time. 
and even in the I, I actually cherish the bad experiences uh, be, the bad trips are like things in life where you had a bad experience in life. I remember the times that I persevered and when I had a bad experience in life much more than I remember the easy good times. Like some of the worst times in my life, I think about now with the fondness of memories. And I think a lot of times a bad trip is like that. Any trip that you survive, you're, it's, a, it's a great trip, you know, and nobody really dies. The only thing a lot of times that happens with, you know, improper psychedelic use is some kind of, you know, psychedelic or some kind of um, traumatic break with reality, uh, some kind of schizo moment or, you know, that's the other thing. Certain psychedelics, I, I definitely try to vet people that I try to, that I want, that I, that I want to have access, that I give access to these things. I won't give somebody who I think is on the edge of being a schizophrenic uh, LSD or anything like that, because that can unlock that. And then, then I'm responsible for their psychosis. So it's a very interesting territory that I didn't ask for, but the more I explore it, I accept my role. And um, because I do think you need people like me that have done it, that are, you know, are in that space 100% that are coming from a, a, as pure a space as possible. Because part of the psychedelic experience is understanding that you can live that way. You can live that pay it forward psychedelic lifestyle. Like that, it's a very hippie thing, but it is possible because you rec if you recognize the truth of the psychedelic experience, you just live from that space and that's just where I live from. So I'm just going to continue to do what I do until I feel called to do something different. But yeah, the podcast is an outgrowth of the um, meme page and the meme page is an outgrowth of the floating. So it all is just one giant fractal. And uh, yeah, I definitely encourage psychedelic use in the float tank as much as a lot of people that maybe float tank owners don't like me hearing, hearing me say that. But yes, it's a powerful tool for hearing what the psychedelic has to say. True. Like, I, if I'm not wrong, uh, flotation tanks work on sensory deprivation, right? Because it's right. That, that's the whole concept. Is you're just laying in the dark, all the as much as possible, we're removing the senses, the input into the brain. So we're trying to remove smell. We're trying to remove sound. We're trying to remove uh, uh, light stuff like that. So, you know, when, it, when the brain, so here's what happens when you float the first time, I've heard lots of first time floater stories and mine is very similar to the most of them. What happens is your brain is so used to having input and knowing where it's at and knowing what, where up is and where down is that that's reality. But when you get in a tank and you lose, where is up, where is down, you have your eyes completely wide open and there's nothing in front of you, but black void. And as long as you don't touch the wall, as long as your little feet or your hands don't accidentally touch the side wall, that, that seems like an infinite void. And at a certain point, when you reach the zone, because what floating is, I think the goal is for most people, I tell them, look, don't wear jewelry, don't wear a cap, don't wear a bathing suit. You, won't, you don't want to be brought back into body awareness. And anything that's touching your skin is going to bring you back into body awareness. So the goal is you get to a point where you don't know where your body ends and the water begins. And from that space, you realize you can have this realization that will change your game completely, which is, I mean, it's, a, it's an immediate, it's like, like, wow, like I'm not my body or mind. I am not these thoughts. I'm the observer of these thoughts. And I am definitely now floating. I have now the realization through experience, not somebody telling me I'm not my body or my mind, but through lived experience. And now I want to explore that further. And so that starts this fractal 
this, this psychedelic spiritual journey that a lot of people go on, which, which I'm on as well. So yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what the question was, but yeah. <laughs> it was about uh, sensory deprivation, because like I've heard- Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, just, you gotta remove your brain from the sensory input and that's where the magic happens. Exactly, like uh, people have, you know, reported like just studies online that, you know, even with just like, you know, depriving yourself of food and water, you some people reach very weird hallucinatory stages which is you know bizarre but i guess oh that's that's another one that's another one fasting that's a cheap one there that's the poor man's way to god i mean come on now i mean if you want okay so i'll say this the the floating is the relaxing way to enlightenment let me put it this way in yoga how many limbs are there in yoga eight limbs i think you can skip to the last one now, what those other limbs are, I think, in yoga are to get you ready for the last one, which is samadhi, which is that oneness, that bliss out feeling of being at one with the universe. And you use all those other tools, the breathing, the asanas, uh, all these other the, other the other limbs of yoga to get to this last one. Well, you know what? Skip. Skip the line. God knows what you're doing. He, he knows he put the best part in the back of the book. He knows you're going to skip there. Skip to the Skip to the back. Skip all the steps. Just start floating. It's the lazy man's way to enlightenment that's that that's that's the trip i'm on so there's all kinds of tools for people once you get in the float tank and realize wow i have all these problems the float tank starts your journey yeah that's like that definitely sounds like an experience i would like to have in the future for sure uh like but like it's it's just like so interesting because like you said that you you cannot do ketamine on uh in a float tank which makes a lot of sense uh, because it's like disassociation and then you're also deprived of your all of your senses like, yeah it's very dangerous to do that yeah like uh, uh, for some reason I don't know I was thinking you know ketamine just might be a good idea <laughs> but then I was like no that's so stupid you're right um, yeah so like well, what else like uh, I know it might be like a superlative question or like a favorite question or whatever like what's your favorite but like what psychedelic do you see yourself being most, you know, just infatuated with or just fascinated with in general? And well, oh, that's a that's a real tough question. They all have their drawbacks and they'll have their, you know, pros. I say to answer that question, though, the ones I've done, I'm still drawn to LSD the most most i it, it, even though it's so the okay so the drawback of lsd for me is it's such a long trip it's you know 10 12 and then you f you're ringing like a bell afterwards for a few days depending on how much you've taken but the, what i love about lsd is it's so small you just put it in your mouth and it's gone what i don't like about mushrooms is sometimes the way you have to eat them I don't like the way mushrooms taste. Now I've gotten better now over the past couple of weeks. I've started to do tea and, I've, and, I'm, and I'm, looking, I'm looking into making blue juice, which is a cold water extraction method. You can put the mushrooms in cold water and ice and over a few days, the, the cold water will extract the active compounds that get you, you know, uh, trippy. So, and you know, there's that benefit of, the benefit of psilocybin is it's short duration, it's natural. And I, you usually have a great afterglow the next day. Whereas, like I said, psilocybin, or not, I'm sorry, LSD and MDMA, those are more amphetamine type drugs. They get you like very cranky type feeling, especially if they aren't made, if they're the cleanest versions of those drugs. 
you can have a real nasty come down on uh, nasty stuff. So mushrooms are good because you can look at the mushroom and say, okay, wow, this is a mushroom. I know it's not been adulterated. Now you have to be a, you know, kind of an expert or trust who you're getting your mushrooms from. But I mean, most normal psilocybin containing mushrooms you can look at and then look at online and say, that's the one. It just gets tricky with like the, the Amanita ones, the ones with the, you know, the red spots and the red and white spots. But um, I've never done peyote. I'd love to do that. Uh, I'm not big on drugs that make you vomit. So I've avoided ayahuasca. I've never had a call to ayahuasca. And every time that I felt it calling me or an opportunity, it fell apart. So I wasn't, I wasn't bummed about it, but I'm like, you know what? Wasn't meant to be. But I've done DMT a handful of times. I like it. I'm scared to death of it, but I've recently not scared of it. I've decided to go back and there's a guy I want to interview who's done DMT over a thousand times. And I feel like I want to be more in that space again. And I started reading his book to prepare to talk to him. And I got so inspired and, and, and it reignited my passion for DMT that I'm not afraid of it anymore, even if it's something scary on the other end again, because that's what happened to me. I started, the last two DMT trips were just horrible, horrible things. And, uh, so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give this stuff a break because it's just, it, it, you know, you don't want to see that again. You don't want to, an alien that can open up a portal instantaneously and take you to a hell world of your worst nightmare of your own creation. It, you don't want to go back there for a while when, once you've been there. So LSD, it goes down easy. And if it's clean, it's wonderful. If you're in a good space, it's amazing. But if you've never done LSD and you're having a bad trip, the shadow that is trying to come through how it manifests is usually what the people's bad trip is they're they're tripping on their own unfinished unresolved trauma and work that they have to do so lsd is good for psychological work of your own kind mushrooms are good i feel like it's an alien intelligence that kind of shows you what it wants to show you and sometimes it's not even about your own shit and then MDMA is about, I've never done MDMA in a club setting or a group setting or even like a one-on-one or a sex setting. So I've always done MDMA alone. And my method of doing all these drugs is usually if I don't have access to a float tank is just, again, somewhere quiet and dark, maybe have a, a music playlist or, you know, sometimes it's a movie night. If you're watching LSD, it's fun to watch stuff like that. But if you want introspection, darkness quiet and uh you know lsd also i think is a meditator's drug the the benefit of doing lsd is there's a big payoff if you're a meditator because yeah i feel like this is what happens when you do lsd if you are fighting it if you're breathing if you're just trying to live reality it's not as magical but if somehow you can zero in and go down and into yourself through meditation then it unlocks like it, 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 the flower of LSD blossoms. Now, sometimes you take so much LSD that it's not going to matter. You're going to be on the floor, um, maybe passed out, maybe crying, maybe in a ball. But there's nothing you can do about that when you take that much. But there are certain levels of taking LSD where you can, you know, kind of guide and ride the situation and the experience through your, um, your meditation and your breathing and knowing what you're dealing with. And having had done the work, you know, go. if you're a super spiritual person and you're loving, you know, in a good space and you do these psychedelics, you're more than likely going to have a great time. And, uh, and, and or you might have an experience that says, you know what, I don't even need these things. 
because that's what I think happens with a lot of people. So here's how I think energetically psychedelics work on one level. So we all have layers that we've accumulated through our lives, layers of patterns, of habits, of ideas and programs that we've just unconsciously accumulated through living our lives. And we're, we have layers of food we've eaten, a lot of it not the healthiest probably, that's a layer. And so when you, a lot of times an unconscious person comes to a psychedelic, it hits them differently than it would somebody who's done 20 years of spiritual work and they eat well and they're, they're you know, a compassionate, kind person. They, the psychedelic has to work through the layers, right? And so it doesn't hit as hard uh, or it hits them differently or it's trying to show them something or it's a bad trip because they have layers that need to be worked through. Or sometimes a, a person with a lot of layers will take a psychedelic and it'll be almost inert. Nothing will happen because there's so much going on there that the psychedelic did work, but they didn't feel it on a level their ego was expecting. For example, this is a, one of the craziest stories. A friend of mine, pharmacist, professional, total legit guy, hard, hard working guy. And he had never taken LSD before, but he was very intrigued about seeing, you know, Lucy in the sky with diamonds type stuff. And I was, in, I was excited. Okay, cool. That he wanted to try this. And I also think that he needed to maybe hopefully get a spiritual lesson out of it. I don't know what he was going to get, but I just decided he wanted to take it. So anyway, I get it to him and he takes the LSD. I don't hear from him for 48 hours. He passed out. He was so tired and not giving him chance to, himself a chance to sleep. The LSD took the opportunity to knock him out and he got what he needed, not what he wanted. So a lot of times that's how psychedelics will operate. That's the, that's the bad trip or that's the trip not happening at all. I've talked about this before where, you know, the mushrooms say they basically control the show, meaning the, I've had the mushrooms tell me one time, you can lay mushrooms out for people, put them on a table and say, take as much as you want, eat as much as you want, because they're going to control the experience. They could eat one gram and it could be a bad, bad, bad trip where they could eat 10 gram and it could be a great trip. How do I know this? The mushrooms told me this as well. The mushrooms like to talk. And again, if you develop your awareness and consciousness a certain way, you can hear these things. You can hear, you can talk to, I think, channel and do all these other things. But mushrooms told me uh, one, one trip, I had probably less than a gram and I was leading a, a few people who are my friends. And, and, I, and I'm like, eat as much as you want. They took more than me. They were having a great time. I was on the floor dying. Over, over a very, very small amount. And I'm a, not, not a pro, but I've taken my fair share at this point. And I'm like, why is this happening? And again, the mushrooms told me, we control the experience. You, there was one time I took five grams, nothing happened. And I never got the answer on that. What, what happened there were those bad mushrooms? But the mushrooms told me at that point right there when I was taking those one gram, that less than one gram trip and dying. It's like, look, remember that time you took five grams and nothing happened? We control the trip. You, 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 you were taking too much. You expected too much. And we wanted to pull one on you. Same thing was happening here. I expected one thing. I got the other. So in, in having a bad trip, you're still going to come out with information. And it's going to be useful. Now I know how the mushrooms can operate. They control the show. I don't have to worry about how much I dose somebody with mushrooms. Um, they're that safe. And they're that kind and compassionate to somebody who is just looking for help. 
and not somebody who's trying to, you know, bring something out from the ether into the other side of the experience that we're living into, like try to have an ego over the mushroom that can't happen. The mushroom kick your ass. So yeah, I've been, I'm talking too much. <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, like, I, I feel like I'm on the same page as you because, you know, even I avoid any, any kind of pharmacological stuff, which gets me to, you know, not nausea or like vomiting, it just like doesn't feel good. And like, as you said, like, especially with mushrooms and like truffles, like the taste itself uh, puts you off. And I remember being in Amsterdam, like last, like last year now, uh, and just like having a 10 gram mushroom trip, like first one, I thought I could do it. You know, I just took like most potent available, you know, smart, smart shop stuff, uh, 10 grams and it was so cold because like Amsterdam, I feel like in March is, you know, a very bad weather. Like you have rain, you have wind, you have crazy stuff going on there. And so I remember taking 10 grams in the morning and I had everything planned out, you know, like I'll go to a park, you know, I'll just sit down by myself, you know, have a good trip. And because I had done an SD earlier, so I knew, you know, I thought I could handle it or anything like that. And so I remember just like taking, but I don't know if we're supposed to space out like how much we're eating, but I remember eating all of the 10 grams, like probably like three minutes or something like that. And then uh, I was also potentiating it with dark chocolate because I had read it online or read it somewhere that I should do it if I can. And uh, I also fasted a day before uh, to like really potentiate the trip. And I just remember like walking and, and then all of a sudden I was like, this is not cool. Like this doesn't feel, you know, like, okay at all. And that kind of nausea kicks in like five minutes or, you know, 10 minutes, depending also on, you know, your external stimuli or like environment. And so everything was, you know, wrong with that trip. But, you know, I start puking everything just like crazy. I make it to the park somehow. And I'm sitting in the park, you know, looking at the sun and like, you know how the psychedelic trip starts with like very slight visuals. I was getting that, but I was just like not physically okay. So I was like, you know, what, whatever, I just go back. So I head back to my hostel and now I'm sitting on my bed and, you know, I'm just like deading, like really not like, you know, okay. But, and then I go to sleep which is like the most weirdest thing that's ever happened on any psychedelic trip. I go to sleep. I had some, you know, closed eye visuals, but like very mild, which was very, you know, weird for like a 10 gram trip. But then I woke up and I had this amazing psychedelic glow. Like, like I just woke up and I just I was like, wow, I just feel so good. Like, that's so weird because I just slept and I wasn't supposed to sleep. I was supposed to trip, but you know, I, Bottom line, you know, I just feel like you're right about, you know, bad trips are sometimes where you, bad trips are all good trips, you know, all trips I feel like are in some way or the other, they're beneficial for you. Some of my friends have had, you know, just, you know, bad time during their first LSD trip or first psilocybin trip. And now they're convinced that if they do it again, they'll die. And, you know, I just always tell them like, listen, you have to immerse yourself in it. And sometimes uh, the medicine is gonna show you things from your subconscious or even unconscious, which you're not aware of and hence you don't like it. And so if they show you these things, you should not be scared, but you should be analytical about it. I mean, at least that's what I think you should be doing. So 
I feel like that's definitely something that I agreed with your, you know, point of uh, bad trips and, uh, you know, nausea and vomiting and everything. But like, it's just so interesting, you know, like when you have a psychedelic experience, you can just, and when you have a series of them with like different stuff, you can just like cross-examine every, every single experience and you still feel you, that you gain something, if nothing out of one experience. And so- Well, you know, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that that was really- my methodology was with acid, I was trying to find out. So my goal was this. First first goal was like, can I make any money off this? Can I bring an idea back from some psychedelic realm that can help me in this realm? That didn't really work out. So the next thing was, how the hell did I get my life in this situation? Because at the time, I wasn't in the best situation in my relationship, uh, my career, everything. And I said, well, how the hell did this get like this? And my whole point was to figure out what I was doing wrong in my life to try to understand that using the float tank, using all these psychedelics, using every spiritual tool possible. And long story short, after all the acid trips and deep breathing and cold showers and everything else at the bottom of this well of self-discovery was nothing epic. No, it was not that at all. It was self-love or actually my lack of self-love. So my psychedelic journeying uh, led me to that conclusion. And uh, that's, and then from that conclusion, then you have to, I mean, I could ignore that if I want, like a lot of people do, they'll, they'll see the truth, but they won't act on it, or it's too hard to act on it, or they're unconscious to act on it, they need to hear it a few times. So it's like, okay, you, you, you get the truth. Now you have to act on it. Now you have to actually do the work. And a lot of people don't, but I, I have been doing the work. And so this is, I think, a byproduct of me doing the work. And I think you do reach a point where you master something and then you're just executing every day. And I think I've reached the point, not that I'm any kind of master at all, but you do something and you go through a spiritual process for so long, a dark night of the soul, you do come out of it. And then it's not so much about acquiring knowledge because you realize the truth. We're all one. It's very simple stuff. You, you don't need all this hocus pocus on top of it. Now, if it helps you realize that one truth, you do need that hocus pocus. So that's all great. But then you reach a point where you, you don't need this knowledge anymore. You just need to practice. And then that's that, that practice, you don't even need to look for it. Life will deliver you through your karmic propensity, through karma, like a giant magnet, attract everything you need to get to the next level. So you don't even have to do anything but just wake up and exist and ask God. You don't even have to, you don't even have to ask God. It's going to be served to you anyway. But you can ask God or the universe, however you want to look at it, your higher self, for grace and understanding and making through these minefields. Instead of like an unconscious person attracting something into their life that would hit them very hard and hurt them, if you live consciously, you can, you can ask for your karma and these lessons to come to you and they can hit you like a pinprick. They don't have to hurt as much. You can consciously take on life and it can be much easier and you can navigate it. And then as you wake up, you can start to consciously create the life you want instead of, const instead of constantly navigating through an unconscious field of shit you're attracting at yourself. And another thing that LSD and float tanks led to along the way to that final discovery of lack of self-love was something called reality transurfing. And basically it was what I was trying to do at the time, which was 
what Reality Transurfing is, is a book by this guy, uh, Vadim Zeeland, I think is his name, Russian guy. And I think it's a channeled book. And it's basically this technical manual on how to navigate and create new realities for yourself, pulling from this place called the space of variations where everything exists simultaneously at once, right? And you, you, as you move through this field of reality, uh, by holding a certain mental image in your mind and, and then creating a certain electromagnetic field in your heart, that's how reality is created. And so I found this book and I've been on a journey with this book and, these, and, 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 and that account online and since discovering it. And so that was a byproduct. And I always feel like when you go through a psychedelic experience, if you're lucky, if you're conscious, you will come out with a boon, some kind of boon, some kind of understanding, some kind of new spiritual lesson, some kind of like homework you need to work on. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a waste. You're not hung over the next day and your brain's fried for no reason. So there are takeaways and uh, what I appreciate the most about LSD is it's almost every time it's a different form, but the same takeaway of we're all one. This is just one giant web of energy. And, uh, you know, we've, we're all the, we're all God. Everything is God. The dog is God, a rock on the ground, a telephone pole, a computer screen. It's all made of this electromagnetic energy. And, you know, it's interesting, you look at atoms and stuff like that, like how much space is in an atom. And, you know, like, we're, there's like, you, there's all the space, but we look like we're solid. And that's always freaked me out when I was a kid. So, you know, you, I did Indian weddings for 10 years, and I'd sit there and listen to these priests. This is before I got into psychedelics and floating. And I would listen to these priests talk about how these Indian sages and, and uh, rishis would know about the atom, you know, the at men, ultimately, you know, like, you, that we are God and they knew about the structure of the atom and the nature of reality way before we had scientific instruments. So the universe is always there laying it out for you to, you know, per your interests, per your karma, it knows what you need to, to get you to the next level. And so I guess one of my final things I want to say tonight is just, you know, love everybody and tell the truth and don't judge. If you wish to see the truth, don't judge. Don't judge anything. Just be as much as you can. And when you do these kind of uh, practices and, and wake up and recognize these truths, you, 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 you want to practice more. You want to know more. And it just keeps growing and you keep creating fractals of love. And it's amazing. And yeah, you have setbacks. But I can't imagine going through this year without you know, I mean, and I, I, I truly believe that the universe has prepared me for the year we just went through uh, with the, the prior five years. Because if I would have been an unconscious person living in duality, going through coronavirus scare, I don't know where I would be, whether I would be freaked out, locked up, or out protesting somewhere. But my oneness and that real, these, these realizations have helped me be, be, be relaxed, see the silver linings. And see the divinity in everything and everybody. And it's, it's a priceless thing. And it's there for everyone. And uh, one of the most interesting things I find about floating with people is, and it's the same thing with me, I wish I would have done it sooner. Um, when I first found out about floating, I probably sat on it for six months. Um, and then got the nerve to like make the appointment. And a lot of people are like that because, you know, you're going to a place, you're going to get naked, you're going to lay around in a situation and you know, if you're claustrophobic, you're not going to be, by the way. 
but uh you know people have fears they, you know they they, they release they don't want to face their own mind that's that's not my problem but i find that's a lot of problem with people is they don't want to sit somewhere and deal with the contents of their own mind and that's i, I can't imagine that but that's a lot of people and a lot, a lot a lot of the other people say i just don't have the time and those are the people that actually need it the most so um don't judge if you don't judge things you will see the truth of what they actually are now if you want to impress your judgment on it you'll live through that filter that's fine you'll get that reality but living in a space of loving oneness and non-judgment is how i do therapy with people and and, and i gotta get going soon here i don't know how, how long are your interviews usually yeah they're usually one hour long yeah okay yeah so uh, oh uh, so loving oneness and non-judgment and living that in that space one person one moment at a time is my practice because the realization is we're all one everything is god now i can't convince you that you have to experience that i have i'm giving you the opportunity with the float tank to get in there and relax and attract these things that help you realize more of these truths and then we'll all through this hundred monkey uh situation we collectively will get to a point well where we will all become cognizant and, and realize these things and want to go towards the light and enlightenment and out of the shadows and pull our brothers and sisters out of the muck and into the light i'm waiting at the gate uh th that's what the buddha does he realize he has the attainment and it could go through but yet he waits until the everybody uh you know comes through with him so that's what i'm doing now and that's my joy that's my blessing that's my really good fortune in this life i don't know what i did in the last one but to get to this age i'm, I'm relatively young to have these realizations, to, to now live in this space, to give that possibility to other people, to help them heal, to help them have fun, to help them relax. That's priceless. And, and, and then, you know, the cherry on top is to talk to people like you who are, are interested in it like me, who do a lot of the same things I do. And, uh, you know, it's amazing that my joy and uh, floating has attracted this reality of, me living here and talking to you about it and having a good time online spreading the joy and the you know living the psychedelic lifestyle which is uh loving oneness and non-judgment that's that's the space of truth and and that's the truth of the psychedelic from that space and when you do psychedelics enough and you realize that that's why that's what i call the psychedelic lifestyle if you really are psychedelic it's, it's like Ram Das. It's like just like that. You you live from that realization, and there's just no other way to do it. You've seen something that you can't unsee, and that we're all chained and unified as one being. And you act in that space as much as you can. And sometimes I'm knocked out of my bliss. I'm be honest with you, I'm not a perfect being, and that's where I know where to work. So the things that are triggering you in your life, address them. They'll go away. Otherwise, the things that you're not addressing are going to continue to get louder and they're going to hurt and then they're going to wake you up and they might, have hurt, they might have to hurt you or maim you or even kill you in the process and maybe you'll come back to the next life and figure it out. But that's been my experience. That's my truth. And I feel like express your truth and you'll get that truthful reality and then that'll set you free and then you'll be on to the next, I don't know, um, what's beyond the void, what's beyond the infinite. That's where you're headed to. That's what we're doing. So I'm just trying to do my part and have a good time doing it. Yeah. 
Now, this has been such a good podcast. Like, I really enjoy talking to you and like really learning about floating, like, you know, for the first time, hearing it from someone who knows a lot about it and who's also an owner, which is amazing. I've just had such a good time talking to you. So thank you for coming on my podcast. Like, it's really like, I love this. Well, thank you. I felt it was really good, too. I, I felt uh, the benefit of doing this so much now especially it's so much easier to do an interview where people are just asking you questions than it is to do the interview, you know, the research. Now, I don't know if you did any research for this or not, but you did a great job. And um, I don't, I think what is like your ninth episode or something. I was looking at your stuff. Yeah. This is the ninth. This is going to be the ninth episode. Yes. And I might, I think I'm the first one of the year, right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is. And it, it is one of, like I feel like this is probably like really good for 2021 and like, I do too yeah the great awakening is still happening and I do do you think the great awakening is happening or do you follow that stuff no what is the great awakening if you have time of course okay so the great awakening is us as a collective species waking up right relative to each other we're becoming enlightened so you talked about 5d before that podcast I did his poster, he does a poster, it's called the Great Awakening poster. And on this thing, he's got the great solar flash in the middle. And what he's talking about, and a lot of other people are saying is, you know, the earth as it moves in space and around the sun and stuff, it goes through cycles, right? There's it, something called the precession of the equinox. And I think it's like every 26,000 years, we, we change ages. And now we're entering into the age of Aquarius, if you believe these things. And as the earth moves in space, there's this lighter field, there's this field of light, this energy that the earth is slowly moving into that's going to raise the collective vibration and bring us into 5D. So as a byproduct of this, we all awaken. It's a higher frequency. And to be honest with you, I'm getting a massive surge. I'm getting huge goosebumps right now as I tell you this. This is like the most goosebumps I've had during the whole podcast. And so I know it's very, very true. I feel like a lot of times that's the Holy Spirit. When people get goosebumps, that's the Holy Spirit. However they want to contextualize it, that's what that is. Um, so I, you know, my experience is, okay, I'm having a great awakening, but I know we're all one. So the macrocosm is the microcosm. The microcosm is the macrocosm. So if I'm having awakening and we're all one, then obviously everybody's having a, a collective awakening. But I'm at my own level of it, whereas I've been waking up maybe five or six years. Somebody else is just waking up. And then there's people way ahead of me. I have an analogy. It's like this. Now you've got your spiritual masters. They're on the beach waiting for you, standing there watching you. Unawakened people are in the water, completely submerged, walking underwater towards the beach. Now, what's happened is at a certain point, your head pops out. You can, your eyes are above the water. You can look around and maybe see a couple other people awakening. And their eyes are above the water as the master calls them onto the beach, God, whatever you want to look at it as. And you get to a point where there's people into the water, still tons of people under the water, most people, 85% of the population probably, completely unconscious. And then you've got the people waking up. Their eyes, ears, nose, chest, whatever. There's different degrees of that. They're above the water. They're awakening. They're not quite free because they're in the water, but they're much better positioned than the people who are unaware of this 
possibility of being above the water. And then you've got obviously the master and then the people getting towards the beach. So that's how I look at awakening. We're all awakening. It's just time is an, is an illusion. So I'm already enlightened. You're already enlightened. This has already happened. You've already lived this life. I've been you. You've been me. We're all God. And again, all of these are takeaways from my lived experience, not some book that somebody's told me this was their experience and this is how it should be. Listen to me and explore a lot of the things I talk about, but don't believe me. Believe only your lived experience. That trumps everything. Um, so the Great Awakening is as we move through this energy field, as the earth moves through this energy field, we all wake up. And so that's what you've been seeing with QAnon. That's a part of the Great Awakening. With the UFOs and the secret space program and the alien disclosure stuff, you see more and more of that. Um, a lot of people believe that we're going to get alien disclosure because the aliens say they're only going to come and visit Earth when we do our job and clear out the cabal and the deep state and the Illuminati and the bad people. The higher intelligences, the light beings, don't want to come down here when we're still ruled by a bunch of psychopaths. If you believe these things, this is what the Great Awakening talks about, a lot of this stuff. So it's about things being brought to the light. You know, are human people, are our children being trafficked? Are humans being trafficked in underground tunnels throughout the world? Are people drinking children's blood? We don't, we don't know for sure. Maybe there's a lot of evidence that says it's true. So this is what the Great Awakening is. People, when they were locked down, were sharing all this information about QAnon and conspiracy stuff and the deep state. And you've had a lot of people over the past year have a, a massive awakening. So... I always see a lot of times this counter effect where, you know, the demiurge reality, the devil, however you want to put it, like, like a good example is the CIA. They wanted to take acid and brainwash people and mind control people, do all kinds of nefarious things. Well, what happens though? <laughs> the hippies get a hold of it and, and, and it wakes a ton of people up. So I'm not worried about whatever the demiurge or the devil or the Illuminati wants to do because, A, I know that God wins. God is everything. God is love. This is an illusion as much as it's real, and I'm not worried about that. Secondly, you know what? My life here and a lot of people I know that live in other places, their local reality has been okay for the past year. Yes, they've had their hardships and they've had their stress, but until they turn on the TV, a lot of times their life has been really good. And a lot of people got relief that they never knew they needed even when they got stopped for a couple months, you know, because they never took a break. Some people, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, we've lost a lot of things with this coronavirus, but a lot of people woke up. So the, that's what I mean by the Great Awakening is this this process we're going through now of the lockdowns and the world just changing. And I don't know if you noticed the trends, but more legalization for psychedelics and things like marijuana, a push towards veganism and more sustainability and cleaner, you know, a cleaner, we're just more conscious. An unconscious person would throw his trash right out the window. A conscious person would go out and pick that up and say, we don't want it to be dirty here. You know, we're not pigs. We're awake. We're going to take care of ourselves and our in our in our, our, our reality around us. So that's what awakening is. That's what the great awakening is. At that collectively, we are all waking up from our slumber.
And some people wake up fast, right? Hey, wake up. Time to get out of bed. And they're snap. They're out of bed. And then some people are like me. They get the call. It's time to wake up. They keep hitting the alarm. They're awake, but they got to be, their ass has to be dragged out of bed. So the longer you wait, the, the more painful it gets. So just wake up while you can. And I'm here to offer you as my final words today. Just please float. You are the master of your own destiny with this thing. All right. You can take back your control. You can wake up. You can relax. You can achieve a modicum of homeostasis because if you can achieve it through the float tank, it's going to show you how to get to that next level. And so please, if, I, if you take any way, if you take anything away from this podcast, go float and then get back to me. Enjoy the show. And thank you so much for having me, by the way. Yeah, no, of course. I, I would definitely float. Like that's definitely on my list for sure. After this podcast, 100%. Uh, okay, well, let me give you a few tips and as, as we're going out then. So a few tips for people that are going to get excited and want to go float. First is no expectations. You've heard a lot here tonight. You may have heard other things. Um, it can be phenomenal. You can see things. You can have visionary experiences. But more than likely, the default takeaway from the first trip is going to be you're going to feel amazing. Things are going to seem a little sharper when you get out, a little clearer. You're going to be a lot more relaxed. You might go home and sleep better than you've ever slept ever. Your skin's going to be softer. Your hair's going to feel amazing. That's the initial takeaway the first time. Now, you may, the first time, have see colors. Here's the tip on that. If you want to float and have a great opportunity to have those visions, those visuals, you have to keep your eyes open. Now, this is what I've discovered in the past two years working here. Uh, two things are happening. First of all, your mind is so used to seeing that blackness when your eyes are closed. It's like a muscle memory thing. And when you start to deconstruct that, your brain acts weird. The other thing is, think about this. When you're floating, every muscle is relaxed as much as possible, except your eyelids. When you're closing your eyes, they're flexing. So every muscle is relaxed except your eyelids. So if you're going to float, make sure you keep your eyes open. Your brain doesn't know what, it's, know what to do with that, and your muscles are not relaxed. And you will have more than – I'm not saying you're going to have colors or a visionary experience, but more people than not, when they have those experiences, have their eyes open. Because I always ask them now. They come out of the room, and I say, how was your float? Oh, wow, I didn't think I was going to see colors the first time, blah, blah, blah. I'm like – did you keep your eyes open or closed? Almost 90% of the time. Oh, open the whole time. So that's, that's the big point there is sensory deprivation. Your brain goes crazy. You, you learn that you're not a body and mind thing. And then you're off to the next dimension, baby. That's all there is to it. That's amazing. Thank you so much for you know doing this and coming on the podcast. And uh, people can go check out your work at Float Universe. I guess on everything, yeah. Instagram. Uh, yeah, basically any any platform uh, right now. But yeah, the main ones, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, the big show is at Instagram. That's the one I'm mainly on. Now you'll see other stuff on Twitter. I've been actually getting on Twitter a lot. If you're interested in QAnon stuff, if you're interested in the Great Awakening stuff, I do retweet and talk about that a lot on Twitter. What happened on Instagram is I got shadow banned very badly. And so although I'm posting... A lot of people aren't seeing the content. The For those that don't know what a shadow ban is, 
if, if for whatever reason you break the terms of service or you post too many things that Instagram doesn't agree with, they will shadow ban you. You will still be able to post your content, but nobody will be able to see it unless they actively go to your page, right? So that's what's happened to me. I can post anything I want, but it'll never get posted to the main feed for the public can see it. And even my followers, they have to actively type the name in and then go search the page. Uh, so that's what a shadow ban is. So I've been shadow banned for almost the whole year. So I went to Twitter. I'm, I'm having fun on Twitter right now. But yes, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, some of the other ones too. Like I'm, I might start a Twitch. We'll see. Um, do you have a Twitch or anything like that? What 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 uh, what uh, platforms are you on? Mostly, you know, like the the Instagram, Twitter. But I feel like I use more, you know, just Instagram. Like I feel like I've been disassociating from social media in general. But yeah, I follow you on Instagram. I what like listen to your podcast on Apple Podcasts, and. Uh, I've also followed your new account, which is Float Universe 2. Yeah, that's the one that actually I have maybe a little, little less than 4,000 followers there. But I get more likes on that page than the, than the regular account that has 80,000 followers. You know, so it's, it's just crazy. Hopefully that'll change, uh, especially when the election is finally over. Uh, it's crazy right now in America. Um, the whole world's crazy, but I think America is exceptionally crazy right now. And so we'll just wait and see what happens. But again, thank you so much for the, for the kind words. You really gave me a real shot to uh, keep going. Because sometimes I'm like, well, who listens to this? Who cares? You know what I mean? But when I hear people like you give me the kind words, it's fuel for the fire, baby. So thank you very much. Shout out. Big time. Of course. Thank you. Thank you.